the gigantic mower bird for the librivox coffee break collection eleven science this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by hihi kitty the gigantic mower bird author unknown editors william and robert chambers from chambers's journal of popular literature science and art number seven hundred sixteen saturday september fifteenth eighteen seventy seven the extinction of many animals that are known to have formerly existed on the earth is a subject which cannot very easily be explained while the number of them is greater than at first sight would be supposed various species no doubt undergo gradual extinction by changes which deprive them of their accustomed food but others seem to die out from unknown causes during the historic period a considerable number of animals have been swept off the british islands among which are the bear the wolf the irish elk etc in america during the comparatively short period of its history various species have vanished and others are following them the beaver formerly so generally spread over the whole of that country is now only to be found in remote regions the deer and the moose are disappearing in the same manner the bison is very much diminished in numbers and must ere long be extirpated the mastodon a creature of enormous bulk has totally disappeared although along with the skeletons of them which have been discovered there are evidences of their having lived on food derived from plants which are still existing in other parts of the world the dodo and the moa have perished within the last few centuries and the apteryx is undergoing the same fate the moa or dinorus was a huge bird of which the remains are plentifully found in new zealand within recent historic times this colony was tenanted to the almost entire exclusion of mammalia by countless numbers of gigantic wingless birds of various genera and species the dinoris gigantea the largest attaining a size nearly thrice that of a full-grown ostrich from traditions which are current among the maoris they were fat stupid indolent birds living in forests and feeding on vegetables while the name moa seems to have been given to them from their peculiar cry since remains have been found in great plenty the investigation of the singular bird is of the greatest interest to students of natural history it is to the reverend richard taylor that the first discovery of moa remains is due which he thus describes in the beginning of eighteen thirty nine i took my first journey in new zealand to poverty bay with the reverend w williams bishop of waiapu when we reached waiapu near the east cape we took up our abode in a native house and there i noticed the fragment of a large bone stuck in the ceiling i took it down supposing at first that it was human but when i saw its cancellated structure i handed it over to my companion 
who had been brought up to the medical profession, asking him if he did not think it was a bird's bone. He laughed at the idea and said, What kind of bird could there be to have so large a bone? I pointed out its structure, and when the natives came, requested him to ask them what it belonged to. They said it was a bone of the tarepo, a very large bird that lived on top of the hikurangi, the highest mountain on the east coast, and that they made their largest fish-hooks from its bones. I then inquired whether the bird was still to be met with, and was told that there was one of an immense size which lived in a cave and was guarded by a large lizard, and that the bird was always standing on one leg. The chief readily gave me the bone for a little tobacco, and I afterwards sent it to Professor Owen by Sir Everard Home in 1839, and I think I may justly claim to have been the first discoverer of the moa. Mr. Taylor continued his inquiries among the natives, who informed him that the moa was quite as large as a horse, that these birds had nests made of the refuse of fern root on which they fed, and that they used to conceal themselves in the Veronica thickets, from which, by setting them on fire, the natives drove them out and killed them. Hence originated the Maori saying, the Veronica was the tree which roasted the moa. The natives further mentioned that when a moa hunt was to take place, notice was given inviting all to the batu. The party then spread out to enclose as large a space as possible and drive the birds from their haunts, then gradually contracting the line as they approached some lake, they at last rushed forward with loud yells and drove the frightened birds into the water, where they could be easily approached in canoes and dispatched without their being able to make any resistance. These moa hunts must thus have been very destructive, as from the number of men employed and the traces of long lines of ovens in which the natives cooked the birds, and the large quantity of eggshells found on the western shores of New Zealand, a clear proof is given that these birds were eagerly sought for and feasted upon. Thus the poor moas had very little chance of continuing their race. From a very interesting communication of the Reverend W. Williams, dated 17th May 1872, it would appear that the moa may not yet be entirely extirpated. Within the last few days, he remarks, I have obtained a piece of information worthy of notice. Happening to speak to an American about these bones, he told me that the bird is still in existence in the neighborhood of Cloudy Bay, in Cook Strait. He said that the natives there had mentioned to an Englishman, belonging to a whaling party, that there was a bird of extraordinary size to be seen only at night on the side of a hill near the place, and that he, with a native and a second Englishman, went to the spot, that after waiting some time they saw the creature at a little distance, which they described as being about fourteen or sixteen feet high. One of the men proposed to go nearer and shoot, but his companion was so exceedingly terrified or perhaps both of them, that they were satisfied with looking at the bird. When after a little time it took the alarm and strode off, 
up the side of the mountain. In the Greymouth Weekly Argus, published in New Zealand in 1876, there appeared a letter signed R.K.M. Smythe, Browning's Pass, Otago, describing in a very detailed manner the capture of two living mowers, a female eight feet high and a young one three feet shorter. The writer finishes his account of their capture by remarking that he has little doubt that he will be able to bring them both alive to Christchurch. It is therefore to be hoped that living representatives of the genus Dinoris still survive. Feathers of the bird have been also found in a state of preservation sufficiently good to show that they possessed an aftershaft of a large size, and at the same time tradition and the condition in which the bones are found, retaining much of their animal matter, tend to show how lately the bird formed part of the existing fauna of the country. If the letter be genuine, it cannot be long before ornithologists, of whom there are several of no mean repute in New Zealand, will be able to satisfy themselves on the subject. An additional reason for supposing that these magnificent birds existed not long ago is found in the fact that specimens of their eggs have been preserved. In the volcanic sand of New Zealand, Mr. Walter Mantell found a gigantic egg of the magnitude of which he gives us a familiar idea by saying that his head would have been just large enough to have served as an egg cup for it. This egg must have been one of a Dinoris or a Palapteryx, and although its dimensions are considerably greater than the egg of the ostrich, still it is smaller than might have been expected from a bird from twelve to fourteen feet high, it is well known that the egg of the New Zealand Apteryx, to which the moa bears a very close affinity, is one of dimensions that are quite surprising in proportion to the bulk of the bird. The Apteryx is about as big as a turkey, standing two feet in height, but its egg measures four inches ten lines by three inches two lines in the respective diameters. To bear the same ratio to the bird as this, the egg of the Dinoris gigantea would be one of the incredible length of two feet and a half by a breadth of one and three quarters. In the museum at York there is a complete skeleton of a moa, which, besides feathers, has the integuments of the feet partly preserved, from which it is evident that the toes were covered with small hexagonal scales. A specimen has also been sent by Dr. Haast of New Zealand to Professor Milne Edwards, which is to be seen in the Museum of Natural History at Paris. End of The Gigantic Moa Bird Author Unknown Editors William and Robert Chambers